This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Yo, 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 <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, children and babies, mammals, cats, rats, and dogs to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. I'm your co-host, Wozni, big, big, big Woz, big Haitian, big sensation, Lambray. Alongside, as always, my compatriot and compadre, my comrade, man, my fellow commie scum, Right. Michael Jamal, Abdul, Shabazz, Brooks. What's good, baby? Law Akbar, let's get it. Ah, I love it. On today's show, of course, we got to talk about Beto O'Rourke. Womp, womp, <laughs> womp. <laughs> he announced last week um, that he's dropping out of the presidential race. We're going to just tap into that. Michael Bloomberg, perhaps feeling emboldened by Beto's failed centrist, uh, <laughs> cynical campaign, saying, I think I could do that, but better. Um, is thinking about hopping into the race. And, you know, lastly, Twitter has been found that a few of their employees got arrested recently. They were spying for the Saudi government. They were spying on behalf of the Saudi government against, you know, Saudi dissidents. Uh, we're just going to tap into the problems with big tech just, you know, just lightly at the end of the show, man. But first, Mike, man, talk to the people about what's happening in Philly, man. Talk about Philly, please. Philly, Philly. So, people, there's only a very, very few tickets left. So snag them because on November 23rd at World Cafe... And this, by the way, I should have mentioned this before. This is an all-ages show. Every other venue we've done is 21 and above. And I know that there are, you know, a lot of college students and other people who didn't make the cut. Um, yeah, it's an all-ages show. Everybody can come. Uh, no 21 and above limit. As I said, the same thing the third time there. Artesia Balthrop, good friend of Waz and I, an emerging personality through her amazing contributing on TMBS. Crystal Ball, you know her, you love her from The Hill. Emma Viglin, you know her, you love her from The Young Turks, both TMBS regulars. And of course, the gents, David Grisco and Matt Leck. And of course, myself leading the whole thing. We have very, very few tickets left. Go get them today. It is at the link. Excited to see you in Philly. Very excited about the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Can't can't wait to hear about it, man. I wish I could be in attendance. Philly, oh, definitely, um, man. Philly, easily one of my favorite cities in the entire country. Um, when I say it's a little New York, I don't mean that derisively. I like actually think it's just a smaller in scale version of New York in terms of diversity, in terms of all of the interesting things you can get into, the arts, like food. It's incredible city. Um, if you are in the surrounding northeastern cities, it's one of these places 
you should want to visit. Like, it's actually fun, like, to make the trip and make a weekend out of it. So please go check out the TMBS live show, man. So, Mike, man, we got to get to your boy, our boy, (laughs) our favorite bro, Beto O'Rourke. He dropped out of the race last Friday, um, basically citing a lack of money and the transparency, I mean, I mean you got to be transparent at this point, a lack of um, an ability to gen, gen up support. Um, he just came on and said, I'm running out of money and I haven't been able to get a base level of support going. And so I'm dropping out. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts, man, about Beto's, just his run in general. Yeah, I mean, in, in general, I mean, this is one, uh, you know, I was I was wrong about uh, Harris. I thought she'd do better. I was wrong about Warren. I thought she'd do worse. Um, the and, and I've made a lot of calls that are you know that are on point. And one was I never bought it for a second. Beto O'Rourke is a nice guy. I'm actually going to contrast him to Mayo Pete in a minute. And of the two, like you know, young centrist mediocrity guys. He's clearly the only one with like a, you know, a heart and a pulse. Yeah. Um, but look, I mean, this guy, you know, my, my mom said, you know, there's, there's a couple different things real quick. My mother was like, you know, this guy looks like, you know, a man in his forties, which, you know, in, especially for running for president is still young, but is like a fully grown adult who is facing the first difficulty he's ever faced in his life. And he was, and I think, you know, what happened was so simple. It was like, look, even uh, someone like me, you know, or you who are way to the left of, you know, Beto O'Rourke's like pro oil voting, you know, moderate kind of conservative stuff. Yeah. He's running against fucking Ted Cruz. And he's a, you know, a halfway decent human being who will occasionally vote the right way and also incidentally isn't like one of the worst people on earth. Like, yeah, of course. Like, let's see if we could chip off a Senate seat in Texas, which, by the way, he didn't chip off. He lost. Now, like, you know, should be reminding people, like, it was an uphill <laughs> battle, but he lost. He didn't, like win an improbable upset. Okay, and but go, in fairness, yeah. though, it's Texas, right? No, like, but not, no, not in fairness. That he <laughs> lost. I'm sorry. And all of the, all of the trends are going, like, in fact, I would say today, it, like, if there wasn't voter suppression and fucking with people's citizenship status, like, Texas might already be a blue state. Like, people don't even think about that. Like, the, the trend lines are... Texas is only going to get more competitive, right? So, no, he lo- like look, it's definitely an uphill battle, but he lost. Then he gets this delusion of grandeur because Oprah shouted him out. I think LeBron shouted him out. He was on Bill Maher. LeBron and- wore a Beto hat while he was in the Texas Senate race in support. Yeah, so there it is. So then you go, oh my God, they need me to run for president. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> and then. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, what does he do? He's doing this like really hyperactive, herky jerky white Obama impression. He's got nothing new to say. And, you know, honestly, like the thing 
I'll, I'll come back to it later after we, you know, throw it back to you. But like, again, occasionally with certain statements he made about race, I think it showed that there was at times some empathy and some decency to him. But grand scheme of things, man, this is the same, like, sure, he's young, but it's the same bullshit we've been hearing for decades. Pro-corporate, blah, 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 but, you know, some woke posturing. And get the fuck out. Boring. Done. Goodbye. <laughs> Bruh, like, you know, and I remember at the time, first of all, like, you know, he announced his, his candidacy in the Vanity Fair. It was all of the things that are nice for a candidate to have, but are not, like, actual essential components to being a successful political candidate, right? Like he had the Vanity Fair, he had the HBO doc about his failed Senate race. He had all of these components. And like my man, um, Chuck Pierce pointed out, it was just like, when, but he didn't have a thrust. Like, why are you running, Beto? Like the answer was always, cause I'm Beto. Yep. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that, like he never had any substantive reasons of like, he was never making an affirmative case for himself. It was basically like, I'm me, I'm fun, I'm young, I'm enthusiastic, vote for me, I'm mildly handsome, I'm not Joe Biden, vote for, like, he never had anything in, you know, and we talked about this on this show a trillion times before. Um, the Obama comparisons don't stick because Barry married, yes, he's off the charts charismatic for a politician. He's just generally kind of pretty charismatic for everyday people or any other kind of celebrity, right? But he married that charisma and charm with a goal, an aim. <laughs> we want to get people health care. We don't want to do wars like Iraq anymore. We want, like, he's making the case for why he should be there. Right. So he's doing he's able to package it in who he is, this biracial guy, this, you know, this Harvard guy, this this guy. That, but at the end of the day, the campaign was about something. Beto's campaign was never about anything but the idea that we needed Beto and he, he could never effectively make that case because clearly we don't need your ass for anything. Like, you know, I, I, I guess people like looking at you, Beto, and whatever. I'm sure you could get looks on TV. You could probably be a pundit to the day that you died if you wanted to, Beto. Um, I think, you you know, like you, you're, you'd be effective at that kind of job. Mildly handsome, clean cut white guy. We get it. Um, but he just never made an affirmative case for himself. Um, his campaign, while not being as cynical as Buttigieg's is, right? Um, just it, it it was just one of those limp wrists, you know. Um, there's nothing strong about what he wants to do. It was yeah. just basically about let's try to run it down the middle, um, as to not offend to offend as le little people as possible, and count on the charm that we think that we have because LeBron wore a Beto hat once. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and let me just say something. I'm going to do something like. I'm going to be way more critical of Obama than you and actually more like in a way that's even worse for Beto, because I think like I think, in fact, a lot of Obama's campaign really was just predicated on him as a change agent. Now, one, the basic difference is, is that first black president. So he is right. That's like the simple part. But the second thing is, is like. What is interesting to me is if you go back into some of Obama's speeches, from my political perspective, it was like 
I watched it and I thought it was fucking amazing because it's so well constructed and so well written and so well delivered. And I go back and I look at it. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like he basically was just saying, like, we all need to sit down together. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like you and Beto's speeches were nothing. I mean, they honestly like I think uh, Malika Jabali, she's I think she said like it sounded like something you write like in college, like at 4 a.m. when you're like cranking out that last paper for the deadline and you just start getting into that like, and therefore such we will indeed. Like, I'm so excited, I'm so excited to be here. This is amazing. I mean, it was like the Chariots of Fire music was always playing in the man's head. And, you know, even just as like a speech, like, you look at a great Obama speech, it's constructed, you know, it, it, it isn't just like a fucking blurt of enthusiasm. I think on the flip side, I do just want to say, like, it is crazy that Pete Buttigieg is getting this kind of energy, though. I mean, like if I had to pick, let's have like the mediocre centrist hack guy. I'm going with Beto over like Pete Buttigieg is such fucking trash that I almost feel bad for Beto not, you know, getting that lane. But I mean, look, he just brought nothing to the table. I I don't I mean, it was all like and and just all the confusion that because he is the things that you're saying was like he's a nice enough guy. He's got, you know, a little bit of charisma. He looks like, you know, he's a decent looking guy, whatever. Yeah. And against like Ted Cruz, who looks like he was created in a lab to take your health care away. Sure. <laughs> but not running for fucking president against Bernie Sanders. I get like, you know, or apparently Jesus Christ. I mean, even against fucking Pete Buttigieg. But you know what I mean? Like against actual contenders, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, and he was he just was never ready. You know what I'm saying? No. Like you'd never won a big race you never like the, that that senate race was your first big race even ever you know um putting together right like your other your other races was was in the house which is fine like we respect that you got your little house seat in, in el paso texas like we respect it but to me he was never big time enough big league enough this was classic premature stuff that you know although we like that people can get in as early as they want to, but this would have never happened to say like 1988 or 1992. Like some guy <laughs> runs for Senate in Texas, gets his ass kicked and then says, you know what I'll do next? <laughs> Run I for mean, president. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's just like, dude, like, what are you? I don't know. I never bought it and I, and I don't have the time, but <laughs> it would be very funny to me to go and, you know, I, I, I saw Joanne Reed. Like, I I saw all of, like, the usual fucking, like, you know, mediocre commentators that, you know, that, of course, like, the MSNBC pundits and everybody else, of course, they would love Dave, Beto or, and David Axelrod, like, getting all, like, oh, I see why people are excited. And I was just like, dude. You get you people are nuts. You don't. You have no idea. See the thing, what is you, happening in this. You know what country. I think about those people though. Those MSNBC yeah. people. I think they're invested in selling these these guys as personalities and happenings and phenomenons like celebrities. Like yeah. they're attracted to the potential 
for somebody to become like an attract like that's why they liked Obama quite frankly like he felt like a rock star a movie star this this that and um they, they're always drawn to that like they're always a sucker for that kind of thing like this guy's gonna like he's gonna become a, a symbol and this and it's just like you know they're never drawn to the to the actual meat and potatoes like okay well this guy gets working people excited you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like they would never like they would never get excited about Sherrod Brown, right? Like right. even though Sherrod Brown is, you know, a Democrat who continues to win in Ohio, which is turning more red, more conservative by the fucking day, right? But that that that's not sexy to them. You know, right. like he's not as handsome as 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 uh as Mayor Pete is to them. He's not as handsome as Beto is to them. He doesn't attract them. Like a Sherrod Brown would never do any. He would never get that thrust from that pundit class. Even though there is something excited about what he's doing in his own actual state, right? Like that he's maintained a level of authenticity and a level of like his constituency feels connected to him. They think that he's he's invested in their actual everyday issues, like, and he's doing it in Ohio, where Democrats continue to fucking lose every single year. But no, th- like, that should be exciting. <laughs> that should be something people want to talk about, right? Like, that should be something that, that pundits be like, wow, like, this guy actually is moving people. Like, he actually moves people. And we know this. Because he's doing it in his home state. Like, they, they, that shit doesn't move the pundit class. It doesn't. Like, they're drawn to celebrity. They're right. drawn to, like, star power. Oh, man, this guy's going to be on the cover of Us Weekly. You right. understand what I'm saying? Like, that. that's what they're drawn to. And it's corny, but, you know, that's just what it is. That's why, no, that's no, why I, Mayor I, Pete gets so much... Gets so much no, um, Mayor Pete doesn't... I mean, but Mayor Pete doesn't even have that. I mean, Mayor Pete has... Well, he's gay. Did you did, did you forget that he's gay, Mike? I get that. Yes, I understand that part of it. But I mean, he's got no. I mean, he's like an android. I mean, he's got no heart. No. Right. And the thing is, he's but the I mayor think, of South Bend, Indiana. Like, yo, he's the mayor of a small college town, and it's like, and it's funny because on one hand, you can be like, the guy has no experience, and it's just a kid who was a mayor. And then on the other hand, you can say like, actually, he does have some experience, and basically, like aiding a white supremacist coup inside a police department, according to all evidence we've seen. And these motherfuckers have the temerity to say, eh, black people are a little cool on them because they don't like black, because they don't like gay people. I mean, that is so disgusting. It's so wild how that is playing out. And of course, like the same people that will, you know, some of the same people that will actually throw that around are the same people that are, you know, Oh, Bernie didn't quote Tony Morrison, you know, like, I mean, I, it's just unfucking believable. I mean, I, the, 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 the thing that I'll say to those people, Mike, well, how do you explain Luther Vandross? <laughs> <laughs> That's like what they should get and they should shut the fuck up. But honestly, like the, the, like, I mean, it, it's just even on an empirical level, it's like, that those numbers don't even that those aren't even the numbers anymore. Like, yeah. you know, it, it, it's the oldest crutch and there's nothing special. Like it, it's like going back and reading like like about like, yeah, are there black people who are anti-Semitic? One hundred percent. Yeah. Is there a special black anti-Semitism that is different no. than the other anti-Semitism? No, no. 
and by the way, um, like just the like right now, obviously Biden is the the favorite amongst like the older black people, like in places like South Carolina and things like that. Um, this idea that Biden dropping out would lead those black voters to Mayor Pete is ridiculous. Crazy. <laughs> and let me and let me also Sanity. just say I would vote for Joe Biden three million times oh, for Mayor Pete. Hundred percent, hundred percent. He's an empty suit. Um, you know, we're done. Um, Beto, Zuckerberg too. All right, goodbye, man. Goodbye, Beto. You know, go read some fucking. You know, go read some like maybe read the Alchemist. Malcolm Gladwell or something. Read <laughs> read the Alchemist. I think he's like an alchemist. Kind of. Like read Paulo Coelho. You know, take a look at your parents' like mini mart empire. You know, explore yourself. Maybe do like some weekend retreats. I mean, this guy, he could come out, he could go the corporate kind of like pundit route, or he could come out with a little bit of stubble and write some kind of like how to discover your dream and purpose kind of books. I mean, which I'm not mad at. Go for it, Beto. Become become the dude, Marianne Williamson. That's what you're supposed to do, buddy. That's what you were born to do. All right. From a guy who's dropped out of the presidential race to... You know, our favorite, oh, this guy is constantly testing the freaking waters of running for president. He's eternally running for president, bored billionaire baby, former mayor of New York City, Michael Bloomberg, has announced that he's thinking about running, Mike. He's thinking about running as a third as a third party candidate. He's clearly not going to try to get into the Democratic field. He's going for third party. Um <laughs> I, I have an idea what you think about this, but please share with the people <laughs> your initial thoughts. As I always say, man, when push comes to shove, the centrists will break fascist. And what I mean by that is, look, did you see the uh, yesterday Bill Gates saying, now, Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax is nothing. It's tiny. It would cost I think Bill Gates is worth over $20 billion. It would cost them $100 million, I think, at most. That's like, for him, that is couch change. And he's like, and he, and this guy who is, you know, running around in a cardigan, who has been able to fool people somehow that, you know, he has people's best interests in mind, which is insane. Look, billionaires definitionally, are like if you have billionaires you don't have a real democracy billionaires does not work period but what the thing with bill gates though that's that but bill gates saying that and being like oh i don't know if i i'm basically saying he might vote for donald trump by the way look up all the bill gates and epstein pictures incidentally but besides that like uh you know what, what michael bloomberg is showing and michael bloomberg was a guy who said several months ago and i you know i'm a, i never I always try to give credit where credit is due. And Michael Bloomberg is one of the biggest oligarch scumbags on earth. But he said, I'm not going to run as a Democrat. I, you know, I don't want to seek the nomination. I won't run as an independent because I can't do anything that would undermine the Democratic nominee because we got to get Trump out of office. What these people are showing is that, I mean, even Elizabeth Warren, who is a moderate, let alone Bernie Sanders, who actually wants to create a real fucking working society in this country. These people are so spoiled and so entitled and dangerous, they're going to fight. Look, and we already know this. They're going to fight tooth and nail against health care for every people. They're going to fight tooth and nail from, you know, 
regenerate from getting, taking us out of an oligarchy into a democracy. So this just proves that point again. And I just hope people like the last thing I'll say is I heard today this great uh, example that uh, Amberly Frost uses from Chapo, which I never heard before. But she said that um, apparently she said that, like, in Britain, the ruling class makes it easy because they do like wild, evil shit like, you know, like a Tory MP will say, uh, like, yeah, like the people at the Grenfell Tower fire were stupid. That's why they didn't leave. Or they do shit like fox hunting. You know, like they just they're old school, like inbred evil people. And they make it really clear how evil they are. But in America, they've been getting so much mileage off of like, hey, I wear a sweater. <laughs> and it's like it's the same fucking thing. They're bad. They're not good. Mike Bloomberg's not your friends. Bill Gates is not your friends. They don't care about you having health care. They don't care about your kids. They don't care about your life. And then, my God, if you've already been a person of color or a poor person or a working person, please, you already know that they're your enemy. But even if you're like, hey, I'm middle class, you know, I've got a decent job. I have a Volvo. They will fucking cut you off of their Elysium future, too. Grow the fuck up. Yeah, I, you know, the, the thing about this is what it reminds me of, right? Um, when you hear the term moderate Republicans, like the reason why there's no moderate Republicans is because there's no constituency for it, right? Like <clears throat> there's no constituency for somebody who wants to cut taxes on all of the richest people in the country, make sure there is fat and fed as humanly possible and everybody else just gets fucked in the process and who wants to you know, treat gay people and black people like human beings. Like there's no constituency for that. It's like their base is like, we let you do all that shit with the rich people because you want to punch gay and black and Mexican and, you know, Middle Eastern people in the face. Like you, you have to do one with, um, to be able to do the other, what like this, you, there's no, there's no way to achieve that other thing. That's why there are no moderate Republicans. Nobody wants it. Like the reason why Mike Bloomberg could never get traction in any Democratic Party, because there's no constituency for, you know, ridiculous billionaire oligarch who that it's obvious that's pretty much all he cares about and um wants to limit how much soda you get to eat. I mean, right. drink, excuse me. Like there's no constituency for that, bro. Like nobody wants that. Who are you going to rally behind Michael Bloomberg's ethos? Besides the like the people on the board at the New York Times or, you know, the pundits on CNN and MSNBC, like those people will love it. But that's not right. a real constituency of voters like nobody wants this, Michael. If anybody wanted what you were selling, they would have bought it already. Like, it's clear, dude. You know, you had your 20 years to be mayor of New York, which was annoying and problematic in and of itself. Now, like, yo, just be satisfied being a tiny little billionaire, bro. Like, why is that not enough for these cats? Well, we got to. We got to. Well, of course, it's not enough because it's a never ending process of acquisition. But I mean, we we need I mean, I'm not just like that's not a shock jock comment. Like people can't be billionaires. The shit does not work. It, 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 from everything we need to do to giving everybody health care, to infrastructure, to, you know, even things like destroying the prison industrial complex is predicated. You've got to break up that level of concentration on wealth. Wall Street, 
I mean, trillions of dollars of wealth were eliminated. More, the, the destruction, I read something recently, I don't have the exact figure in front of me, but this destruction of black wealth in the housing market alone, analogous to the Jim Crow era. Yeah. And, and like, it, it, it's not just poetry. And it's not just because, because I'm, again, some of them might be relatively nicer than others. Although I do think, frankly, if we're being real, that level of money fucks your brain up. Like, I don't want anybody to be poor. I want everybody to be comfortable and enjoy good shit in life. So I'm not, I mean, I've experienced poverty. I have no, like, poverty's bad and no one should experience it. So I'm not glorifying any of that. But that level of wealth where you literally are living like a like some type of god is fucking crazy and it doesn't work and anybody who tells you it works is either a delusional person sharing a bedtime story with you or somebody who's deeply self-interested in the fucking game and unless you are part of a sliver of the population that ain't in your interest yeah, it's just kind of hilarious to me. You know, like I said, like Mike Bloomberg is wealthy, rich, beyond comprehension, right? Like somebody who's making $60,000 a year, you know, um, paying their bills on time, doing what they got to do. You can't even comprehend how much money this guy has. And the right. idea that he's so offended by, you know, the concept of raising taxes on people as rich as he is like, you know, in order to build some extra roads, <laughs> put some put some people in, in work, you know, rebuild our infrastructure, uh, try to get us off of fossil fuels and shit like that. Like he can't even comprehend. It's like it's so offensive. It's like I have to do something about this. It's just incredible. It's depraved. It shows you that, like, honestly, man, um, and I don't want people to get it twisted. Right. We're not talking about your rich uncle who, you know, owns a, a car dealership and he's able to make maybe take home maybe three million dollars a year. Like he's rich. He has money. He's wealthy. He's a man of means. We're not talking about those people. I'm talking about the uber, uber, uber wealthy. They are the most disgusting, most depraved people on planet Earth. And I'm saying and, it just, <laughs> and systemically, it just doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's I think you're 100 percent right. It is disgusting. And it is depraved. But I'm saying that, like. Even if you were like, all right, we found the one billionaire and this doesn't exist, but like, okay, like. You mean George Soros is in our one? Yeah. <laughs> no, he's not. Because I mean, that, you know, ask people, ask, ask the people in Britain about Black Monday. But I am just saying like straight up, you can't, it doesn't matter how nice you are or what you do with your philanthropy. The shit just doesn't work, period. And I think. But, you know, it's it's a great example, though, looking at um, these people maneuver because they like to brand themselves as publicly minded and all of this shit. But the bottom line is, is and again, let's be really real here. Like we're literally talking about nice reforms. You know what I mean? We're not talking about a system where, frankly, like. Even if we did what you're saying was, which like, actually, you know, I, especially in the world we're in, of course, I agree with that. Yeah. Like own a collar dealership, make some money. Yeah. I'm going to tax you at a higher rate than someone who doesn't have that level of money. But like, sure, of course, no problem. So we're not saying like, you know what? Like, I mean, I'm saying it, but Bernie with his more serious plan and Warren with her smaller plan, 
they're not saying like, all right, Bill Gates, you're worth $10 million now. Right. Like, which would be right. what they should say. They're saying <laughs> like, you're in fact, and maybe by the way, you should go to jail and your company should be broken up incidentally. But you know, I, it's just fucking crazy. They, they cannot even deal with the most tiny infringement. And that should be a lesson to everybody to get real. Topic of the day is in the world of tech. How many employees was it, Rob, over at Twitter? I think you, I thought you said six. Six. <laughs> Wait, were they arrested? I thought they're not here. Yeah. So the story goes to lay it out a little bit because it kind of just came across the wire recently. Uh, the Justice, Justice Department says two former employees accessed information about people who made posts critical of the Saudi royal family. Um, it happened between November 2014 and 2015. Long story short, these employees of Twitter, um, mm-hmm. on behalf of the Saudi government, uh, hacked into or, or, or accessed about 6,000 accounts. And their names are, let me just grab them right here. Uh, the complaint filed in federal court in San Francisco accuses Ahmad Abuamo and Ali Alaz. Oh, wow. Al Zabara and Ahmed Amutiari of acting oh, as illegal agents of a foreign Cal's government. The Ding show. <laughs> yeah, I think they were at this show. But yeah, so the these three employees, um, two of them are former Twitter employees, uh, basically have been charged with spying on some users and social media platform who were uh, of these people who were critical of Riyadh and providing that information to the kingdom's officials. Man, <laughs> it's 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 a crazy story because it's Twitter and we all use Twitter and we know what's happening. But like, I don't, I'm not in any way shocked by this. Right. Like that an agent of the Saudi government would work for a tech company, be able to obtain a favorable job and and use this position in there to get information about dissidents like that's I think that's part. I don't course. think it was. I think it was like they just worked there and then they got recruited by the Saudis. Ah, I think that's okay. how it was. But you mean saying I mean, makes I mean, either way. But I think that's how it was. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me either. But I think that. um you know, I don't know, man. It, it it doesn't surprise me, but it's like it's really fucking bad. And we live in a stalker economy. And, you know, like you can go through even just if you read articles about like the spyware that the Israeli companies are selling as an example and U.S. and British companies sell to governments like Saudi Arabia to spy on every single aspect of these dissonance lives. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's scary. It's, it's scary. It's brutal. And there's zero regulatory framework for this. Like, I mean, other than that's the problem, you know, I mean, sure. Like this is illegal, you know, they shouldn't have done it, whatever, but yeah. And there's gotta be better safeguards involved, um, with the tech companies. Right. I remember, uh, when, when I was working at JP Morgan chase, like, the way these people um, protected the information of their most important clients 
right? Which is different, which is a different proposition in and of itself, right? Because it's clients, they're getting money from them, whatever, whatever. But they took extra pains to protect their identities, their their private information. Like they took extra pains. And that's what they did when they when these things matter to these kinds of companies, they can do this stuff and and ensure that that's that this isn't happening. But you know, this would require Mike. The people, the schmucks who founded Twitter, who own and operate it still to this day, to be like forward thinking, right? To be like, yo, man, people over there are using our services to be dissidents for a repressive regime. Um, Let's make sure we're not doing anything to put those people in harm's way. Let's make sure, you know, that that we're protecting people who are using our services. That would require them to have some level of foresight, some level of vision quite frankly that these people never ever ever possess um well, what's the interest for them in doing it none I mean, like that, doing yeah, the right so, thing? I mean, just yeah they don't care i mean i think that's like the other thing is like let's be real here right like all of these business models are predicated on you know mining user data it's a stalker economy they don't give a fuck i mean i you know, like, it's funny because I actually have mixed feelings about, like, that whole, like, Facebook correcting political ads thing because I think, like, yeah, so you know, yeah, I have, but, like, on the flip side, if you go to a place, I mean, they allow in Myanmar propaganda that has helped genocide against the Rohingya. And their stance is they don't want to be responsible for shit. And they're profiting off of it. So, I mean, this is a, I mean, this is a different example. Obviously, it's an, this specifically is an embarrassment for Twitter and not a good look. But these companies don't give a fuck. And not only do they not give a fuck, I mean, a lot of these things, whether it's selling spyware to a regime like Saudi or moving your data all over the place and tracking you, I mean... That's how they, I mean, I, they don't even really make their money yet. I mean, to be honest, that's like kind of the whole other sort of funny thing about this. Yeah, man. I, I think why we wanted to, to highlight this instance on the show because, you know, this is just a general theme here at Woke Bros. Like, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I'm, I'm constantly on the social medias, right? Um, yeah, and, um, yeah, me too. It's you disgusting. know, um, and what they're doing with our, like, this is, this is like, some of the, like selling your information to companies who want to sell underwear and dick pills to you is kind of evil, <laughs> but not really. Um, this is like taking it to the furthest, most dangerous, the most disgusting extent, right? Like putting people's lives at like your actual lives at risk, um, for speaking against some oppressive an oppressive regime. Um, this is like that. This is that thing that they're always doing anyway, carried out to its most evil end. Um, and I think that's why we wanted to highlight it today. Obviously, um, you know, this is not an everyday occurrence, but it's it, this is the extreme, though. You know, like people's private information being sold to a government that's known to murder murder journalists, murder anybody who speaks out against the regime. So. Um, we just wanted to highlight this because it's just something you want to keep at the top of the mind as we become more dependent and ever so more addicted to these social medias and these tech companies. Um, just be mindful of this stuff and keep it at, at, at the top of your mind, man.
Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I just want to say, as we're doing this, the uh, it hasn't come down yet, but it looks like it actually might be going in the right direction, that the Brazilian Supreme Court might be finally forced due to just the you know, huge revelations, which I've talked a ton about on TNBS, a little bit on this show, that basically this uh, process that put the former president, Lula da Silva, in this uh, in jail in a totally dishonest and corrupt fashion uh, with the cooperation with the Justice Department, the United States, and helped facilitate the election of this you know, disastrous fascist in Brazil um, who's destroying indigenous people, labor, the environment. Just today, actually, um, on a television program, a guy hit Glenn Greenwald. Um, of course, Glenn being Glenn, he got right up, got in the guy's face. Yep. Um, but they might actually be releasing President Lula today, which is, I mean, you know, he shouldn't have, in fact, he should be president. He was leading in all the polls. He's a political prisoner. But that would definitely be a huge mark of hope for Brazil and the whole world to have this statesman out of prison. And also there's revelations because it was a region-wide prosecution team. And there's new reporting that the former president of Peru, who's also a, you know, a center-left leader, that the prosecutors did the same thing uh, to him in terms of um, – you know, coaching witnesses, having them omit details, change their stories, this type of thing. So I'm going to be watching this real closely. And it, um, it you know, you don't want to do pre. I mean, basically, if it goes the wrong way, it's yet more disgusting proof of just how fully corrupted the Brazilian system has been by this whole car wash investigation, the fascist Bolsonaro and the backing of the United States. Um, but if it's released, uh, if Lula is released, that's definitely cause for some very serious celebration. So I just wanted to give people a little update on that uh, for sure. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah, man. Yeah, and no, I just want to give a yeah, shout please. out to that. Not only just you, Mike, because you're my homie and my partner, but you were, you know, one of the first people in indie media, mainstream media who were bringing attention to this cause. And of course, Glenn Greenwald, who's on the ground there in Brazil, who's who him and the Intercept have done an amazing job of highlighting just how, you know, egregious the injustice was that was done against Lula. So, man, I just want to give a shout out and props to you, Glenn Greenwald, everybody out in independent. Appreciate and that. Let me also just media. say Brazil Wire, too. Uh, Brian Mayer and... Um, Man, those guys and uh, and Danny Hunt at uh, Brazil Wire, if they didn't, they have been on this from day, day, day one. Um, and, you know, as is the case so often, can be out like, you know, really feeling kind of like marginalized. But they um, they got this story 100 percent right from the beginning. Yeah, man. So, shouts to Lula. Hopefully, he'll be home soon with his family, man, and not behind bars over some. Uh, he said. He said that the first thing he'll uh, <laughs> he's he's gonna go. <laughs> he said. He said that the people, if they let him out, they better be ready because he's gonna go on the street and have a conversation with the Brazilian people. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's <what's up. laughs> Hit the ground running. Lula, he's, he's uh, 
I mean, as you saw when you when you watched the interview with David oh, he's fantastic. Paul, you were like, oh, okay, this guy's got a lot of energy. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's great. Yeah, and he so, was, yeah. um, you know, we're going to transition into digging in the crates, our weekly segment where we give a recommendation from culture, whether it be literary, whether it be movies, TV, music, um, and an art exhibit that we happen to check out. Um, for me this week, uh, my crate is my man Marty Scorsese took out an op-ed in the New York Times to essentially be like, <laughs> "I knew you'd love it." Oh my god, I ate it! Oh my goodness, Marvel movies suck. Um, please, um, capital take risks on artists. Take risks on things that haven't been market tested, haven't been pared down, haven't been this, this, that, and the third to a, you know, to an insane prob- probability that you're going to make this amount of money. Um, it's important that we make art that, you know, that moves people, inspires people, um, that, you know, that depicts just the human condition. Um, he mentioned different artists that he thought were fire. Uh, and, you know, I just want to give a big shout out to Marty Scorsese. Please go read his op-ed in the New York Times. He's unapologetic in his stance, as you would expect a crotchety old man to be. Um, so I just want to I just wanted to highlight that, man. Go, make sure you go read every single word of Marty Scorsese's op-ed in the New York Times. Love it. Um, and I'm with you, Waz. Uh, I just wanted to recommend uh, the new Bill Burr uh, stand-up special. Uh, I don't actually even remember the name of it off the top of my head. It's on Netflix. So what's funny to me, I think, honestly, like the first couple of minutes of the special, he kind of does the like, are you triggered shtick? Which, you know, again, I think everybody knows, you know, the critique that I have of that, you know, very like manners obsessed, triggered culture. I think it's legit. Although I, you know, it was like every comedian does that shtick now as my man Ben Burgess was saying. So I agree, like, Although, you know, even when Bill Burr is doing what everybody else is doing, he does it better because he's Bill Burr. But when you actually watch that whole special, I mean, he's got so much psychological insight across the board. Um, And I think he hits a lot of targets. I think he's incredibly insightful. I think he's incredibly astute about a lot of it is really about his relationship with his own anger. I don't know, man. I just, he's, uh, he's, he's probably, I mean, I'm still like, I actually think the latest, all of the Chappelle specials have, and we've talked about them. I think there's some of them have been, you know, it's Chappelle. So like just unparalleled brilliance, but the thing with Bill Burr and, and made me laugh so hard, but the thing with Bill Burr is like, I'm appreciating the intelligence and the sharpness of it. And then there's also just like, a watching it and just being constantly laughing like the dude just keeps it coming and coming and coming and coming and uh he's one and some of the only stand-up i could still even sit through to be honest so the new bill burr special for sure love it man thank you everybody for listening make sure you're a patreon of both count the dings and tmbs man we appreciate all the support that support is what helps us put on these shows, man. We try to make the content bigger and better every day going into next year. Super strong. Um, of course, we want to shout out Rob Lopez, the super producer who is just, you know, I can't say enough how much of a resource he is to what we do around here. So shout out to Rob Lopez. Of course, shout out to Jade Hoy. Shout out to the whole community, man, of Count the Dings and TMBS. Make sure you get your tickets to Philly. 
Um, Mike, I'll talk to you soon. See you guys right. next week. Later, Rob. We're out.